Hi guys, welcome to part two of the episode with Amira Farooq al Um On this part of the episode, we're talking about what makes up a life, and uh, we go through kind of the experiences she's gone through and kind of the things she trains people on, and how some trainings can be kind of really bad for you. Uh, so hop in, listen, and let me know if you agree with what we think makes up a life. Enjoy. Hi, Amanda. Welcome back. Hi again. Thank you. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, question one. What, in your opinion, are the parts that make up a life? So for me, I think it's one of the things that I will always stay on and and, and aspire to is, is hard work. Mm-hmm. So for me, one of those things is, I believe, um, hard work and consistency. I believe that no matter what we're going through, we need to be consistent if we want to build our life. Mm-hmm. And that is something that only comes when you are, which is my third one, truthful to yourself. Yeah. And truthful to your limitations. It's okay to have limitations. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that I say, okay, you know, I wanted to do this, but to be honest, I can't. Like it's it's out of my reach. It's out of my skills. It's out of anything. Like, yeah. So it's okay to have limitations. Yeah. And I think it's not what a lot of, people consider when they think of what makes up a life. I, I remember like in season one, I was talking to Talal Rashid and he, we were talking about success and failure. And he was like, I was asking him, you know, what he considers like failing or success. And he was like, I mean, if I'm going to measure my life by the standard of the region, which is be married, have, yeah. have a wife and two kids, a nice house and a nice car, a lot of people would consider me a failure. But that's not the, the stick which I measure my life by. That's not the parts I want my life yeah. to contain. And I think... A lot of people think of the material aspects that make up their life. That I have to be married by this age and I have to have a house and I have to have have a car and and, and all of that kind of stuff. But they don't think of all the other parts that you just kind of talked about. For me, I understand that people measure it in terms of wealth, in terms of status, in terms of titles Mm -hmm. and whatnot. I I just measure it. I think like the important thing is, what I would say is what we are lacking maybe sometimes here is the acceptance of what this person wants out of their life is different than what I want. Exactly. And that is okay. That does not threaten me in any kind of way, shape or form. And that is fine. Because like we were talking before the, before the podcast about the fact that like, um, Ma recently got rid of all titles and how some people are now looking for jobs out and trying to leave Ma elsewhere because they're like, wait, I had a title as like the head of this department. Now I don't have it. And that defined me. (laughs) And now I don't have that. And for me, it's like, I, I at one point was in the corporate kind of world and that title did make up so much of my life. And then when I left, I had to kind of look at what my life was made up of yeah. after I removed that title. And I realized that title and like that work and what I was doing took up so much space. It didn't leave room for anything else. Yeah. Um, so when I started doing other stuff, some people were okay and some people were some extremely weird, weirded out because they're like, what are you doing? Are you insane? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but yeah. But I agree with you in that aspect because, you know, um, it is okay to want those things. Like, mm-hmm. I would never, ever judge anyone if that is the basis of how they define their life. Yeah. That I want to be married with three kids or four kids or picket fence and, yeah. you know, all the jewels in the world, cars and blah, blah, blah. That's fine. Yeah. And I, But I often notice is that the ones who don't want that don't judge as often as the ones who want to have all that. Mm-hmm. And when they see you that you don't want to have that, they're kind of like, well, what's wrong with you? 
Yeah. And you're like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm happy that you want that. Why yeah. can't you be happy that I don't? So throughout your work at, um, sorry, is it Elif administration or is it ALF? Yeah, so it's Elif, but because no one can pronounce it, so they say ALF. Because I'm like, I saw it in all caps and I'm like, ALF. I'm like, okay, Elif administration. What is an area that people struggle to improve on when they're working on their like life? I think one of the main things that I've seen is that balance mm-hmm. is one of the things that a lot of these people struggle with. And they come to us with that mentality, like, I need to have XYZ. And if I don't have XYZ, then I'm done. Like, I- I'm a failure. Yeah. My life is over. Yeah. And it's us trying to re- recondition them to understand that it- it's okay to want to aspire to those things, but that should not be a make or break in your life yeah it should not be what controls your life you can aspire to it good work hard achieve it get what you want but you should be regard happy regardless if you have it or not yeah because if you're not happy and you're not fulfilled like we said you're not content then whether having it or not makes no difference yeah no very true i think like what shocked me i i took a training course in coaching and they bring out one of the very first tools they bring out is the wheel of life. Yes. And it has like eight segments. Mm-hmm. It has a physical environment, a recreation, relationships, rela- relationships, friends and family, mm-hmm. career, health, blah, blah. And I'm like, not in a million years, if you asked me what makes up a life, would I have been able to name all those segments Absolutely. for you? Because especially for us, it's like, look good, dress good. Most of that really requires you to have money, which means <laughs> career. And at some point, get married and have a house. Yeah. But like, you're not kind of taught about all the other parts or all the other pillars, realistically speaking, that lift those parts. It's true. Because it's very hard to have like a really big kind of empowered career that's very, you know, that takes a lot out of you if you don't have family and friends. And of if you're course. not like, if you don't have your health and you don't have like all these other parts, right? So everything kind of lifts everything else, if that makes sense. But I'm with you on that. But the thing is, it's like, And this is one of the things that I, like, I also have coaching background. People who work with us are Mm -hmm. all coaches, but I hate that term. I'm sorry to say, because when they do bring out that piece of paper with the wheel of life, Mm -hmm. they automatically kind of tell you that if you're not scoring on the top tiers of all of those, then you're kind of like not having the life you envisioned and it should be. And I always believe that that's just a tool. Mm -hmm. It's not what, like, one of the things that is always I always try to tell everybody is that whether whatever choices you make, you need to own it. Yeah. If you own those choices, then whatever they put in front of you, whether you're scoring the toppest tier on it or the lowest tier, if you're owning it, yeah. then that is that's what counts. Yeah. But the problem is, is that we never sit with people who tell us these kind of things. Mm-hmm. In fact, Every time I go somewhere, they're like, Omar, please don't tell them this. Omar, please tell them that they need to do this. Why? Yeah. Why are we putting everybody in boxes that suit your needs? If that's your weakness and you believe the only way to succeed in life is to have X, Y, Z, why are you imparting it on other people? Yeah. yeah. Let people make choices. Let people make mistakes. Let people choose what they want to do. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think there's a couple of points that you brought up which i think are interesting one is you can't be a 10 in every single aspect of your life because generally if you put a lot of focus on one to bring it up to a 10 something else is going to suffer exactly i think what's great about 
the wheel of life, if you use it as a tool correctly, is understanding that, okay, I'm bringing this down to a four right now because I need to push this up to a yeah, nine. exactly. And then in three months, that's going to come back Absolutely. down to a seven and then that's going to go up to a five. Because what works for you. Because that's kind of what works. This is it. And then in terms of owning it, like, I think that's just a good, like, message for everyone. Yeah. Whether you're making mistakes or what Absolutely. have you. Like, I remember I used to, um, a big thing that, my therapist taught me when I uh, when I used to go to therapy all the time. She'd be like, "You made the best decision you could right. at the time, with the person who you were at the time, with the information you had at the time, and you have to be okay with that, and you have to be able to let that go and forgive that. But sitting around and like hating yourself, Absolutely. or not letting it go and holding on to that decision and being like, I'm going to make this work no matter what because I made this call and I can't fail. Absolutely. Both of those are not a good way to deal with I any agree. kind of decision or choice you made. I agree. Absolutely. But owning it and being like, you know what? I did that. I made that call. Exactly. Oh, well. Exactly. You know what? I'm human. I'm flawed. It Absolutely. happens. Time for me to like let this go and move life. on. Absolutely. This is life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So speaking of which, how do you take stock of your life? So one of the things I will tell you, this is something I will not change about me. And mm-hmm. if it means that I don't get the gigs that a lot of people get, I'm fine with. Because if I want to take stock of my life, I have to be um, 100% honest and proud of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll get calls and um, I'm not knocking anybody down and yeah. it, to each their own. And there'll be seminars where they'll have like, how to have it all and um, how to achieve everything you ever wanted. Um, <laughs> be the best that you can. Yeah. And, and 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 a lot of times, like Georgie and I, we know a lot of these people, like mm-hmm. they're industry people. We've met them. We've dealt with them. We've seen them face to face and things like that. The reason I never want to go into these things is because I'm always honest. Mm-hmm. So I will sit there and tell you that I can tell you what I did yeah. that worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the truth. Like at some point I had to call help. Yeah. At some point I might have to pull a favor here and there. I yeah. have no shame in saying that. Yeah. At some point I had to um, sadly maybe step over someone, but then mm-hmm. I went back and apologized. But like, you know, I have to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to sit there and say, I did X, Y, Z tools. This is how it worked. If you do the same, you will get this. No, there is yeah. no way in hell. I'm sorry to say, you know, like even if you watch, Bill Gates and stuff. He'll always say, I did this for me. This is how I succeeded. Yeah. But sadly, over here, we have this pool where people think suddenly they're a coach or suddenly they're whatever. Mm-hmm. And they come in with these tools and tips and they're like, this is a surefire thing. But it's not. I'm sorry. Yeah. You might have gotten where you got, but you're not telling us the full story. Because yeah. there's always something underlying in there. There is no way. Like, I'm props to you if you yeah, really yeah, did that and yeah, you got yeah. everything you ever wanted. But then you're one in a million. And that's the thing that people don't understand. These these successful people, <laughs> and I'm using successful in quotation marks because it depends yeah. on your definition. But these successful people suffer from survivor bias, which is the bias that you made it. And thus yeah. you think this path works nice but that's a bias you have because it worked for you absolutely you're not one of the maybe 99.9 percent that that path didn't work for so you always have to when someone's giving you advice or when someone's giving you a sermon of what they did or you know the seven steps to whatever or what have you you always have to realize that if it worked for them they're up there on that stage telling you that it worked for them because they have survivor bias. There's a bunch of people that didn't Absolutely. make it up on that stage 
probably because it didn't work out for them. Absolutely. So whenever someone's giving you a tool or a methodology or whatever, take what resonates with you and what you feel works for your life, your style, your integrity, whatever it is, and then drop everything else. Absolutely. Because everyone at the end of the day is, is unique. What you said you're not an algorithm. Like you're not going to be able to like, and life is not an algorithm. You're not going to be able to hack it. Thank you. We need more people like you to come to these seminars because you know what I'm saying? This is the honest truth. And it's it's just interesting because like even like, for example, let's talk about coaching, right? (laughs) So coaching, the number one thing they teach you is you're supposed to just ask questions (laughs) and you're supposed to allow the person to come to their own conclusions and figure out their life. You're there just as like a sounding board, really. Right. In, in, if they do it correctly, if they do it correctly <laughs> here, people are like, I am a coach. So let me give you my five steps to success. Exactly. And I'm like, that is not my what you're God. supposed to do. Absolutely. That is awful. But anyway, I am horrified. I am horrified. I yes. love that you said that. Yeah. Thank you. Because you sit there and you're like, you listen because, you know, they, and the worst part is they do this. Coaching most of the time should be one-on-one behind closed yeah, doors. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, but they do it in like auditorium s- s- setting yeah. and they're sitting and like thousands of people and you're just like, what on earth are you saying? And you're yeah, just yeah. like, you know what? I, so whenever anybody's like, Mara, can we call you a coach? I'm like, hell no. Mm-hmm. Like, But you are assertive. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> God, we'll talk later because I think this is going to turn to like a bitching session. But okay. Um, so after you take stock of your life, how do you then turn it into the life you want? So again, like I said, I think it all comes again with owning it and understanding your failures and understanding your successes. And that's how you can shape the life you want to live. And you mm-hmm. continue to put that in your life. But like I said, for me, the only way to get to that is if I've addressed everything from the bottom up. And that's how I, I like to call that. Like, that's my situation for everything. It's like, how do you address things from address things from the bottom up? Yeah. So it's kind of like, did I do this? Did I figure this out? Did I fail from this? Did I learn from this? Um, have I taken stock in, was I true to myself? Did I own my mistakes? You know, all these things building up leads to me living the life that I want to live. No, I think that makes sense. And I think like a big part of starting from the bottom up is understanding what's important to you. Yep. Because I think a lot of people are influenced to think, oh, this is what's important to me. Absolutely. But if you really sat down with yourself and thought about it, you'd realize, oh, no, this isn't what it was important to me. I was just told this was important. I was told this was important, but it's not necessarily important to me. And that's a very big difference. And COVID has taught us that. Yeah. COVID has taught us anything. Yeah. It's taught us what's important and what isn't. So how do we go then about understanding what's truly important to us? Well, I think it's, to be honest, I think if I can bring it back to COVID, mm-hmm. like a lot of people are like, oh, my God, COVID has ruined our lives. Yes, it has in a sense. I mean, like, of course, it's a pandemic. It's, you know, God, God rest our soul. A lot of people are dying. Mm-hmm. But one of the things it's made you take a look at your life. And especially during lockdown, it made you understand. And actually, it showed who is comfortable in their skin and who isn't. Yeah. To be honest. And I believe that. These are what are fulfillments. These are what makes life worth living is if you're comfortable in your own skin, if you can handle these kind of situations where you have no control over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you still come out smiling at the end of the day, counting your blessings, counting the people that you want in your life, taking out the people you don't want in your life, Mm -hmm. taking out all the negative things that you once thought were important. Yeah. 
I believe all these kind of things will shape and form how you move on in life. So we have um, three kind of questions that we ask at the end of each episode. Um, the first one is, what's one word you use to describe yourself in your internal dialogue that you don't say out loud? I thought about this. That's one of the questions that I didn't uh, skim on. <laughs> um, and I actually asked my husband that. And he said, um, one of the things that you don't actually say is that um, you're actually very giving. And it's one of the things that you don't actually say out loud. He's like, um, you will do for others without them even knowing you've done it. And you don't even like ever let them know that you've done it. And he's like, that's one of the things that um, he was like, which which is actually nice of him to say. But as I was wondering if he was, you know, like, is there an ulterior motive? But <laughs> so he was saying, you know, he's like, but that's the thing. He's like, one of the things is that you're a, it's giving. But do you believe that? I, I, or is it see, like, yeah. I wouldn't call it giving, which is maybe why I don't, I don't, I don't like to use that word. I believe that every human being, if we can do something to ease suffering of, of one person even, or to help one person even, why do we need to tell it to anybody? Why do we need to show we've done it? Why do we need to have that Instagram post of, hey, I've just donated to mm. why? But that's my opinion. I'm sorry. Like if, yeah. if somebody else disagrees, that's fine. And you think it's, you know, in my, so I wouldn't call that giving. I would call that me. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. <laughs> might and not be the question, the answer no, that no. you want. <laughs> There's no wrong answers to these last few questions. It's just kind of a, a nice way to get a sense of, of, of the person. Um, what's a side of you that you would like to step into more? I would like to be more assertive. Interesting. Yeah, you would think with the way I sound <laughs> that I would be. Yeah, no. I'm the one who always has to, like, we had this conversation when you weren't here. I was always the one who would just fall because I just didn't want to cause issues. Like when they wanted a token filler Emirati, mm -hmm. they wanted a token filler mom of three, they wanted a token filler divorce. I fed all the categories because I didn't want to say no and, you know, upset people. I want to be more assertive. And okay. just, which I'm getting there. I think COVID has taught me that because even Georgie was so shocked because like yeah. she, she, I would never have said that. But like I had a publication call me and be like, we want you. And I was like, no, like I'm not doing it. Wow, and I was so you. proud of myself. Good so I think you. it's COVID. <laughs> and the last question is my favorite. Um, what's your favorite childhood memory and why? So my favorite childhood memory, and everybody tells me I need to pick another one, but honestly, this was my favorite childhood memory. Um, it was the first time I tried, it's, it's sad, okay? Because this is, you know, if you're waiting for like a huge story or something that shaped my life or my background, it's, you're not going to find it. So my favorite story, uh, childhood memory was was trying the banana split. I'm sorry, like. There is nice. no like, yeah, I'm sorry. That made my life. <laughs> okay. Because I was always, you know, when you're younger, your parents always tend to give you boring vanilla. Yeah. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> like, you know, like this sucks as a flavor. Like yeah. I want something more exciting. And I remember I went to this, um, I will never forget. They were this really nice American family. Um, they would say grace before every meal. Of course, mm -hmm. something I wouldn't know because as yeah. an Arab, you know, yeah. I have no idea of these things. And I remember they had, 
and who, but who does this to a child? So yeah. they had like banana split was on the table in front of all of us. And of course, you know, brown person, no idea. I take a spoon. I'm about to like, I was literally like, I was going to eat it. And they were like, no, 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 no. We all say grace for us. So you've put this now in front of like this salivating child. Okay. And all I can think of is this looks amazing. I want to eat it. I had to wait till they finished Grace and it was such a long Grace. I probably wasn't, but like for you as a child, yeah. For me, it was just like, holy moly, like just get through it. Like God's happy. Like, you know? (laughs) And they got through it. And then to be honest, it was. I don't even think it was like amazing. I don't even, th- I think it was just like store bought ice cream. Like it wasn't yeah. even like Ben and Jerry's or Baskin Robbins or whatever. Honestly, the way they had it was like three scoops of like vanilla chocolate strawberry. And then they had like this caramelized, I still remember, like this was salivating too. And they still had like caramelized bananas and chopped nuts and this little maraschino cherry on top. And But see, it's the simple things in life. That's why. Like, as a child, like, but that's something what as simple me. as, it, like, yeah. But don't you think that's what, that's, I always believe there are certain things in life that define you. And I think it was the simple pleasures in life, which is why, for me, I measure success and life by just the simple pleasures in life. Well, I think that's an amazing note to end <laughs> on. Thank you, Armando, so much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you for having me. Where can people find out more about you and the things you do? I don't know. I might get deported tomorrow. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a website. I have an Instagram that has nothing to do except me living my life. Okay. And I always get people writing to me and be like, it should be more professional. And I say, well, it's not your Instagram. It's mine. Cool. Well, we'll put both the um, the elephant uh, the elephant administration website and your Instagram in Amazing. the episode description, uh, so you guys can go and find it there. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for listening. As always, we love your comments and your messages, so send them to me. Let us know what your favorite childhood memory or ice cream flavor is, <laughs> um, and be sure to subscribe, guys, to the podcast if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Rami. Wherever you're listening, it really helps us, and give us a rating. And join me next week for another episode of Millennial Mirrors. This is Mishari Alarnezi signing out. Bye, guys. Bye.